it's not comparable at all to me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I am so much more rewarded in this career, just personally um, and professionally. That was just so important to me. Um, when I became a mother, I had an earlier exit plan. And I don't know if I called it a plan or just like a loose target um, of being able to pick up my kids every day after school. So just being available for that. You know, not to say that I had to then be completely available from three to five, but just being there to pick them up. Um, And I wanted to do that when my oldest was in kindergarten and I just wasn't able to. And so I was like, well, how do I get back to that point where I just have a flexible job even, you know, to be able to do that type of thing? Or am I working for myself? So I kind of hung that out there early on. And then, you know, like I said, the universe finds a way. I'm Sharia Woods. I'm a dreamer, a mom, and a community builder. I've always loved learning people's stories and figuring out how to keep getting better. And I created the Rise Society podcast to give you the inspiration and step-by-step strategies you need to get clear on what you want so you can design a life you love. If you know there's something bigger in this world for you and you're ready to figure out what it is, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello again. Today we are going to be talking to Megan Johnson. She's a personal friend of mine and is building a phenomenal career in real estate. We're going to talk about her journey of leaving corporate America to pursue her dream of building a real estate business and what motivated her to do that. We're also talking about how she negotiated an exit from her company so she was able to create a runway to start her business instead of just quitting like so many people do. She also shares a little bit about her journey to achieve financial stability as an entrepreneur and just how long it took her to make a predictable income from real estate. I know if you are thinking about any type of entrepreneurial venture or you just want to learn how that works for people, you're going to really enjoy this episode. A little bit more about Megan. She draws on nine years of experience with real estate. In addition to that, she had a two decades long professional career. Megan was a seasoned executive level brand marketing and customer experience design professional. Megan holds an MBA in marketing strategy and entrepreneurship from SMU, and she has a BS in business administration with a concentration in real estate and construction management from the University of Southern California. Megan is also an adored wife and mother of two, and of course, a personal friend of mine. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm so happy to be here today with my friend, Megan Johnson. She is a real estate broker, newly minted broker. Um, And I wanted to talk to her a little bit about her journey into the real estate field. I remember I was there as a witness as she kind of started this journey. We were all um, at a coffee shop talking about taking a real estate licensing course with a few friends. And um, she and another friend actually went ahead and got their license. And she's been on this amazing journey ever since then. Um, I know some of y'all are thinking about going into real estate or just thinking about career changes and shifts. And so I wanted to spend some time talking with her about her journey, um, and hopefully that will be inspiring to you all. Um, So thanks for joining me today, Megan. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. 
Yeah. Um, so I guess let's jump right on in. Um, can you tell me a little bit about like what made you want to leave your career and like what were you doing before? Because I know you had like a pretty good, successful, high powered career before you left and started doing real estate. Yes. Good question. So I um, had, well, first and foremost, I am a serial entrepreneur. So that's kind of been more of my inclination, even though I was developing this corporate anchored career. So my background was in brand marketing, uh, namely in consumer packaged goods and last in retail. And so um, even though I was quite entrepreneurial, I think I was using those types of endeavors more as a creative outlet for myself and maybe even more as an outlet for control in my career as well. And so I ended up being in a place in my last role to where it became very clear to me that my time was up in that role. And I would like to be able to say that was the first time that I had encountered that right in my career, but it wasn't, you know, and it becomes a pattern um, sometimes. And I still hear about it from a lot of my friends and family members that are going through the same thing. And it's just a pattern to where, you know, you're being forced out or your boss changes and all of a sudden you're job insecure, you know? And so I was put in that position and it became to, or got down to the point to where if I wanted to stay, I had to fight for myself and a role within the company. And it was one of those come to Jesus moments to where I just kept thinking to myself, where if I had to fight for myself, I really wanted to be fighting for the future that I wanted. And that future came down to one to where I was no longer in corporate America. I was no longer you know, under the guise, the control, the scrutiny, the, you know, need to be liked in that environment. And it came down to one where I had more absolute control, freedom, um, creative freedom and flexibility personally and otherwise. And I decided that that was the future that I wanted to fight for ultimately. The great thing is that I had been licensed um, as a real estate agent because my husband and I had started doing real estate investing, but it was just like the one year prior, you know, so it really got down to having to make that decision. And I started my career in real estate while I was in college, changed my emphasis to be based in real estate, but then my career kind of took these, you know, weaves and turns as they always do. And I was like, I'm going to go back to my first passion, my first love on a full-time basis. I've got this real estate license. I know real estate investing and I'm like, how do I use it to now help people to create a business for myself, for my family, while also providing value to my community? And it ended up being, you know, there and something that I could use and leverage and something that I was quite passionate about already. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I mean, that first part that you hit on where you were just talking about those transitions in jobs, I know like if you've been working for five years or more, we've all been there of like you have a new boss and you don't even know how that's going to impact impact you, if it's going to be a good fit or not, but you've been in that role and it can feel so high stakes to give up, you know, something that you've worked so hard for and like you've built this rapport, you've built this portfolio of work and then now it's all, you know, taken from you. And it's like, for me, when I think about being an entrepreneur, I'm not, I'm currently, I have a nine to five job. 
Um, but that's definitely one of the most appealing things about it to me is like just having that control where it's like no one person. I mean, I guess a lot of people could stop <laughs> being your clients um, and then that would be a problem. But there's no one person that's like in control of your destiny. Like you get to be that person. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But I know for most people, and this was the same for me, you know, the hardest thing to walk away from, um, there was two things. The first was the fact that I had built up this identity or this future for myself that really kind of hinged on that corporate validation and the rise of the proverbial corporate ladder. You know, so for me, I'm like, well, the height of my career is becoming, you know, chief marketing officer, maybe CEO one day of a large brand, you know, Fortune 500, right? Elevating those ranks. Um, and that was really kind of on my vision board and then ultimately becoming like a turnaround CEO, right? Like that was the path for me that I was working toward. And so I had to kind of give up that identity and walk away from that, um, which wasn't that difficult because like I said, once I started to get through the patterns, you know, you start to look at the statistics. I mean, I'm an African-American woman, right? The likelihood of that happening, especially given the fact that I continue to confront these types of scenarios <laughs> in corporate America, I was like, oh my gosh, there are just so many ceilings at all levels. I'm like, I don't care where you are that I'm like, it's almost impossible to shatter them all right <laughs> over the course of a career. And so I was like, the likelihood of me doing that in their context and that context is so low, I would be better off and better suited developing that for myself. And then the second part of that is obviously walking away from the security of that biweekly paycheck. <laughs> you know what I mean? The constant stream of income that's like, I know where to go. I know what I'm doing. I know how much I'm going to be paid and I know when the check arrives. Right. So that was the other big thing. And it becomes even bigger, um, particularly in real estate, which has a very long um, sales cycle, for sure. I mean, you know, it's just crazy. So there really are no guarantees in this particular field when you sit on the side of commission-based income as well. Yeah. And I mean, that identity piece is so huge. Like, I remember there was just, um, I was in between jobs maybe six weeks at one point, and it was just so... Odd. Like it's just a weird feeling of kind of just being unanchored, you know, because I've been working since I think I was like 15 when I had my first job. Um, and I mean, my first year of college, I didn't work or I think it was just actually the first semester. But other than that, like I've had a traditional job my entire life. So like, tell me about like that feeling going from like, OK, I'm employed to now I'm self-employed, like as far as your identity and just transitioning, like forget the money, forget that part. But like, what was that like for you? That's a great point. And I luckily had a prior point in my career to draw from where this happened to me. So like I said, I was no stranger to this incident, right? And being in that type of predicament, I actually had about a full flex year where I had to be entrepreneurial because it was the great recession, like really right at the beginning, I was in financial services consulting and real estate consulting and all that. And that was where everything kind of blew up. And, um, you know, being in financial services, when things were on a tumble, I remember I had quickly rebounded 
and was getting into my next role, I was going to move into a hedge fund or roll out a hedge fund. And literally, I remember standing in my living room as, you know, it was like CNN or MSNBC, you know, some one of the um, the financial channels was like reporting that hedge funds were reporting their worst, you know, earnings in a decade or something. And I remember just watching that and was like, oh, no, this is not going to go well for me. And they literally, you know, pulled my offer. And that was the close in opportunity. And finally, you know, it gave me the opportunity to say, do I really want to do this or what do I want to do next? And so that lasted about a year for me. And it, I, like I said, started a business in that time, got clients and all that. But again, that identity, that corporate identity um, and the, the need for the validation within that context is what brought me back as well. And so I really was able to anchor myself in the I did it before I can do it again. And I can do it in a way that's better and scalable and will really deliver results. And I'm going to lean into this new identity, this new identity that is more anchored in the future and the progress for myself. And me being present as a mother was a very big, um, I think, just anchor kind of tie down for me in this pursuit. I have been able to be here a hundred percent to satisfy my kids every need, not their wants, right? Because that's not what we're here to do, but for their needs. I mean, whenever they have needed me, you know, if I've ever needed or wanted to volunteer, you know, I've always been here. And I think that is one of the biggest features, benefits to particularly us as women and as mothers to figuring out this entrepreneurship thing for ourselves and for our families in a way that still keeps us in that dual earning household, right? Which, you know, is very needed in today's economic landscape, but also allows us to be more present. Um, I know for sure than my mother was able to be growing up. And that was very important to me. And I have been so blessed to be able to get that done but I mean, it has not been without hard work and sacrifice. I mean, there are things that, you know, I have just done to get it done and to, to do it. But, you know, that maybe not everybody is cut out for. But I am so committed to, um, you know, having a great outcome through this entrepreneurship journey, through real estate and being there and present for my kids to where I never have to go back. I'm like, I do what it takes. I mean, I've cleaned a client's basement that no one, you know, I couldn't find a service to clean. I'm talking about like cat litter out of carpets, right? To get the house sold for more money. Uh, my kids have been there. I mean, we, you know, we got there, the cleaners didn't do what they needed to do. And I'm running to Walmart to get the stair cleaner and you know, we're on our hands and knees, you know, polishing floors like dead serious. So, you know, when you're that committed to your goals and your dreams, your family should lean in and help you as you know, they do. They tend to do, especially when you have a great support system. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's a fight even to get to that support system. Do my kids always want to go and help clean? Not that, you know, we've had to do that in a really long time, thank God. <laughs> but, you know, yes, they'll complain and moan. You let them get a little toy and then it's a smile on their face. You know what I mean? So it really has become a family effort for us. But, you know, I mean, it hasn't been without trials and tribulations in the marriage as well, right? As anchored as I was to that identity for myself, as was my husband.
he really wanted me to go back. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Like, let's start at like day one. Quit your job. <laughs> let's talk about like that first six months. Like, how did that flow? Because we know that that's like the hardest time, right? Like they say that first six months to a year whether it's real estate or any business, like I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs say, like, just expect not to make any money your first year. Hopefully that wasn't your story, but I know that it can be like really, really hard. Um, so tell me a little about that. Like what, what was that like for you, those first six months? Great question. Okay. So going back to this idea of me fighting for myself, I fought for myself when I left that job. I said, I'm not going unless you pay me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was in a position to collect that payment. And when they came back with that first number, I doubled it. And I said, this, you know, to myself, this is the runway I need. This is what I'm going to ask for. And um, I'm going to get it, you know, and I'm going to fight for that. And if I have to engage counsel, like I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to let them play me for this last time. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm, so this is good. Let's pause here, right? Okay, so you didn't just quit your job because I think a lot of people, they get fed up and they're like, I'm leaving. But you're like, no, I'm going to negotiate a package to exit my job. So tell me about that. Yes. Okay, so I, like I said, I was put in a situation to where I had leverage. Mm. I um, was being targeted by my boss at the time. And she did something that gave me a window of opportunity. You know, and um, I was like, I am going to use this as an opportunity. And a lot of people would have just left. You're right. I mean, I have done that before to where I'm just like, oh, okay, this is no longer hospitable for me. They don't like me. I don't like them. Bye. You know, but I had learned, like I said, having been through that experience before to where I lost my leverage before because I gave it up. But I was like, no, I'm fighting for myself. Like, screw this. They, you know, they want me to be gone. Like, I'll go. But I'm going kicking and screaming. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm going to stir the pot and I'm going to get everything that is due to me, at least that I want, you know. And so I um, learned that from my uh, serial entrepreneurism that, yes, six months runway is the minimum. I would not go without six months in savings. I wouldn't go without, you know, six months of whatever you need um, at the very minimum to give yourself that runway. So that probably took some of the edge off. It's like, okay, I have six months saved up. So that gives you some time for like a pipeline to maybe start forming. Like, was that enough time? How did it feel? When and that's a good question. So I have to also layer this with reality to where... You know, I'm the type of person where, and okay, Heat is one of my favorite movies. So like the saying is like, when that heat comes around the corner, you got to be ready to go, you know, in 30 seconds or less, right? That's the, uh, the, the phrase, you know, out of the movie. And so that's kind of been my mantra. And so as soon as I was um, ready and willing and wanting to quit, I was telling my husband, like, we need to sell our house, right? Like, we've got to tear this thing down to its bare bones and parts because I was a very large part, very large part of our financial picture. And, you know, I was just on the side of breadwinning, you know, so that's six months. If you sell the house, that becomes like a year long runway or like maybe exactly. a long My whole thing is like, let's cut bait, you know, let's go now and take all that we can and just put it in a pot to give ourselves more flexibility and freedom. 
um, as well. You know what I mean? So we're not stressed. Let's be flexible. I mean, our kids were really little, you know, kids just bounce back like that. They barely know the difference. Um, but he wanted to hold on, you know? And so I was like, well, okay, I've at least got my six months. Like you got to do what you got to do. I'm like, I've done my part type of thing, you know? So I can't say it was done without looking at our entire financial picture. We did have a house, you know what I mean? And other assets and that sort of thing. Um, so we did have additional cushion there and biggest cushion being my husband and the fact that he did have a salary as well. Cause I know the situation and the decisions become very different for single women. You know what I mean? And I've heard a lot of women through that journey and you know, yeah, so- but I mean, it's like, it's, I feel like there are pros and cons to both. Right. Cause it's like, if you're single and you make the decision of like, I'm going to sell my house and I'm going to, you know, do all these things and you don't have other people looking to you. That's also in some ways easier. Mm-hmm. Than so I being like- single mothers, maybe single. Oh, mothers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. The other layer of that, right. When you do have mouths, you have to feed and clothe and, you know, provide more diapers, whatever the stage is of, you know, your uh, child rearing journey. But that just becomes another piece, right? When you've got the little ones you have to consider. So yeah. And yeah. it's identity there as well, right? Because I know, like, especially being people of color, it's like you, when you buy that house, it's such a big symbol of like, we have arrived, we are, you know, because we did American dream things. and yeah, yeah. all that. We sold our house and moved into an apartment for a period of time for different reasons. But I know it's like just a little weird to be like, oh, I don't own a house anymore. Like this is. It feels like a real step backward, right? I mean, economically, professionally, socially, all that. Yeah. So and like you were saying, going back to the identity, I mean, I have a lot of friends that their mantra is keeping up with the Joneses, you know, so it's forward, forward, bigger, more. And, you know, when that's your peer set and everybody's values, being on the outside of that can really, you know, kind of take its toll if you let it, if you keep that as a part of your identity. Um, So my husband and I, we'd get very intentional, you know, a lot of uh, coaching between us, right sizing our, you know, kind of belief system and values um, to accommodate that and walking away from that that identity. Yeah, it's definitely admirable to like take a... time to reflect on like what really matters to me, right? Like that's what I try to help people think about and just because you have what society tells you matters. And like we have all these things that's like, oh, get the car, get the house, get the the job that's, you know, like you said, climbing the corporate ladder. But if that's not really like in your heart of hearts, what is going to make you happy, then you're just chasing after all the stuff. And so I really admire you for taking the time to say, I'm not happy on this treadmill. Like, let's take some time. Let's do a hard stop, reset, figure out like what's going to work for us in our life. Um, So I just think that that's awesome and amazing. Um, So you had the runway, you you negotiated in your house for the support you needed to... Not for that, actually. I, I wouldn't even just call that a negotiation. That became another fight too, you know, like <laughs> over time. Um, but, you know, definitely less of a fight, far more worth it um, and a lot more conversational and partnership oriented for sure. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. now that you're established, you can see like, oh, this is actually really great. And then you have that flexibility. So 
Money always helps, right? Everything. Money always helps. Um, but going back to the first six months, so um, I decided, so six months really kind of became three months because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to use this time. It's the summer. My kids are out of school. I'm going to be a parent mom, you know, present. And uh, my main role is going to be as mom, right? Not as real estate. It's a sabbatical, like a three month. Yes. Very much so, which, you know, was awesome. Definitely awesome. We did a lot of cool, fun things. And then I also had the opportunity to watch my nephew as well. So it was like a whole family affair. It was really lovely. And then after that, I was like, oh my gosh, like that was a real long break. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have done it, you know, but it it was worth it. Um, But I hit the ground running. But I did very quickly learn that what I thought I was looking for was time freedom. But as an entrepreneur to be successful, it's really more about time control is what you're looking for. Um, So what I learned is that, you know, you just can't build a business without structure around your time. And then also boundaries around your availability, right? So it's people or client care in terms of my business. um, But it's also self and family care. Right. And that balance. So it's always that work life kind of integration balance that we're always struggling for. But, you know, I very quickly learned that I had to get back on the schedule. Right. So the 830 to 5, 9 to 530, whatever the case may be, um, and make sure that I was doing specific activities every day um, to build a business. Yeah. How did that work with your clients? Because I know that's the part that scared me the most about real estate. It was like, I don't want to be on all the time because typically you see real estate agents taking calls at night, taking calls on the weekend, like putting deals together. And I know sometimes the market is just so hot that it's like impossible not to do that. Um, So how have you been able to navigate that? So early on, and I say early, I mean, it was like the first year though. I was always on, you know, it was like every opportunity, just being scrappy, nimble, you know, in the spirit of client service and just being available and, um, you know, just wanting to be there for clients and to make it seem like I was always available. But I quickly realized, I was like, okay, I've got to structure this around, like we're saying, not just um, my time in the office, but also my availability to clients. So I did start to establish boundaries related to my hours, um, defining specific days off unless there were appointments scheduled, saying if I'm going to work Sunday, then I'm going to take Saturday off, better time blocking, and then also just communication with people. Um, and then, but the biggest element of communication is not answering the phone, right? That's communication without communication. Um, And it's just boundary setting for yourself to where, you know, if someone's giving you a call, let's say it's 7.30, you're wrapping up dinner, you know, your kitchen's a mess, you know you need to be doing dishes. If there's no emergency and nothing is time bound related to dates, times, et cetera, not taking that phone call, calling them, you know, back the next morning and not apologizing for not being available at 7.30. Hey, I saw I missed your call last night. You know, how's it going? How may I help you? You know, now obviously because real estate is very, in the real estate contracts, I'll say, because there are lots of different areas in real estate. So real estate sales and related to contracts essentially can be very time sensitive. 
So I'm very attentive to those specific situations and I'm on for my clients, right? And negotiating, you know, into the wee hours, not really. I mean, wee hours being like 8.30, you know what I mean? Just trying to align. So I have my marching orders the next morning to hit a deadline or something. You know, there are still those times, but they have become so much farther and fewer between since I've established boundaries. Yeah, it sounds very similar to like incorporate similar things, right? Where it's like your boss may call you or somebody may call you at eight o'clock at night and you have the option to call back or not to call back and just trying to figure out like how to navigate that and when it's urgent, when it's not urgent and just setting those boundaries. All right. So how long would you say it took before you started saying like, I can take a breath, like I'm not dependent on my savings, you know, on a regular basis anymore? Okay, so I'll say it's one part fortune, right? Because I do believe that when you have a good spirit and a heart, you know, good heart, and you lead yourself with integrity, that the universe will respond. Mm -hmm. But the universe also has to meet you with your intentionality. Otherwise, the universe gets confused, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So I say fortunate, but I say I was very intentional. And intentional really means hard work. Um, providing great client service. You know what I mean? Like I said, going above and beyond, going the extra mile. To this day, I just maintain the spirit of I do not nickel and dime people. I add more value. You know what I mean? I add more value than your average real estate broker, agent, service professional. And that's my mantra. And I got very um, specific and intentional about that. And that is how I have led and managed my business. And so, so we'll say one part, you know, hard work uh, and intentionality and then fortune being the fact that the universe has responded. So I was able to pay myself a salary very consistently, you know, based on um, budgeting, you know, solid business fundamentals. Um, Like I said, as a serial entrepreneur, I had past experiences to draw from to where I learned that cash flow is, we'll say, queen in a business. You know what I mean? Mm. Like cash flow really is queen. And so making sure you constantly maintain reserves in your business. Um, I had a three-month minimum, which obviously did not happen in the beginning. You know what I mean? Probably not for that first year, but it became my standard year two, um, year three. Now I'm actually thinking about moving to more of a four to six month reserve level in my business, but making sure that I brought home a certain level every month. And because as we talked about, you know, keeping at home happy, you Mm -hmm. know, and knowing that money matters, I made sure to do that. So I always, every month, as soon as my first deal, you know, hit my first client signed on, you know, I was making sure to bring it home first, right? Yeah, that's so good. Like, I feel like that's probably, you know, not having been a full-time entrepreneur, I think that's probably where a lot of people go wrong. It's like you get that commission check or you get like a really great month and you're like, oh, yay, we can go out, you know, and do things, Um, which after you haven't had money for a while, I totally understand how that would happen. But I like your approach of like, no, let's put this in the bank and try to figure out like, what's a reasonable salary that I can pay myself? And then how do we like map this out to be able to give myself that salary consistently? That feels like that would just help your, your mental health so much, not being so stressed all the time. 
For sure. And that's what it came down to. I mean, then you always have to think about taxes, the tax man. I mean, people get short-sighted and then at the end of the year, it's like, oh my gosh, I owe, you know, that type of thing. So it's, you know, and I believe in the, the pay yourself first model, which I learned by studying Susie Orman. So it's like pay yourself first and then profit first right? Of kind of like the two. And then, um, so I, then he has like a whole, the five envelopes type of system. Yeah. That's such a good book for everybody listening. If you're thinking about being an entrepreneur or you are an entrepreneur, the book Megan's talking about is profit first and it's excellent. And it just talks about how so many entrepreneurs don't pay themselves. And so then you end up burning out and like not working anymore, giving up on the business because you haven't made any money. And so he's like, start with your profit and then figure out all your other expenses. Yes. It keeps you happy. Like I said, happy home first, you know, versus pouring everything in um, because you can always manage your other expenses. You know what I mean? And so um, as you mentioned. And so that was very important. And that's really been a game changer um, in terms of how I've run and managed this business over others. But like I said, through trial and error and then seeking out those tools and resources in, you know, getting a lot more intentional with business planning. Um, like you're saying, looking, taking the bigger picture, looking out over the course of a year versus even the, the two weeks or the month to month, trying to fill in pipeline, you know, again, real estate is a very long sales cycle process. Um, at a minimum, you know, you're talking about 90 days, buyer's markets, which, you know, a lot of us are now in or neighborhood to neighborhood, market to market, you know, depending across the country, you know, you're talking about maybe more like six months, right? So um, especially in this new landscape of real estate and where we are today, you definitely have to get a lot more intentional about financial planning, cash flow planning, and then making sure you can Keep those reserves for when you are having those down months. <laughs> um, all right. So now that you're established, how do you, how would you compare your real estate career to your corporate career? Like, you know, oh my gosh, that's a good question. Um, it's not comparable at all to me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I am so much more rewarded in this career, just personally um, and professionally than I used to be um, in many ways. So I'll say the first is the element of being present for my children. Like I said, that was just so important to me um, when I became a mother. I had an earlier exit plan. And I don't know if I called it a plan or just like a loose target um, of being able to pick up my kids every day after school. So just being available for that, you know, not to say that I had to then be completely available from three to five, but just being there to pick them up. Um, and I wanted to do that when my oldest was in kindergarten and I just wasn't able to. And so I was like, well, how do I get back to that point where I just have a flexible job even, you know, to be able to do that type of thing? Or am I working for myself? So I kind of hung that out there early on. And then, you know, like you said, the universe finds a way. I had no path to that, you know, when I like set that out as a target or goal, but the universe finds and found a way. And that resonates so much with me because I had the same dream. And I actually talked to my boss at the time who was like a mentor to me. And I was like, you know, when my son turns five, I want to 
start a business because I want to be there to pick him up when he gets home from school. I don't know. I was a latchkey kid, so I don't know if it's like a latchkey kid. Yes. You I was a latchkey kid at the age of six. Yes. Yeah. So it's just like, I think when you don't have that growing up, it's it, maybe that's why it becomes so important. But for me, it was COVID. And so, you know, I know COVID was like awful and I do not wish that we would ever have that again. But that made it possible for me to pick my son up from school because I was working from home because of COVID. Um, And I had given up on that dream because I actually got an offer to go somewhere else. And it was a great job. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to be able to do that. But, you know, the universe does find a way. And (laughs) I ended up being able to do that. um, And it was a really great great time for us. So I, I just so resonate with that dream. Yes. And that being like, okay, when they get to school, but yeah, you are so right about that. I didn't even think about it in those terms or in that way, but you're right. I was a latchkey kid as early as the age of six. Now let my mom tell it. She was like, it was only 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would meet you at home for the 30 minutes, but you're right. It was the remembering I was coming home every day and opening that door, you know? Yeah. My mom would call me. So that was her thing. When I Aww. got inside, she would call, make sure I was there. Um, so I was always safe, but yeah, it's yeah. Just, I think <laughs> it kind of puts that idealism in your head of like, I want to be there when my kid gets home. I've never wanted to be a housewife, but I've always wanted to pick my kids up. Yep. Me neither. Yep. Same thing. That is so true. Um, But that was the first one. So like I said, being there and present for my children and being able to meet their needs, you know, so probably even going back into more inside and deeper right into my past and childhood moving forward as a mother, you know, it's like, I want to meet my child's needs right on all dimensions and be there to communicate with them. Um, you know, and just to be there physically, emotionally, and um, educationally as well, right? Which is so important. Um, Now, you know, clearly are there still times where I have to be working and can't quite hang on to every word, you know, because they just talk and talk and talk, I swear. But, um, you know, overall, I'm present. I know they feel it. And they're really appreciative. I mean, we have those conversations, so I know they really appreciate it and have over time. It's just, it's been awesome. The other way that it's more rewarding is that, you know, the whole business is just a sandbox for my ideas. So anything I want to do, I mean, I can do it. I mean, I may not always have the big budget to do it, but I can always test and learn and I'm able to do that, which I think is just awesome. Um, The only thing that I decided I really missed was, you know, having that group of like sage peers around me that were always available for free, right, (laughs) to give me counsel and advice um, in in a way to where it was low risk for them, right? So even as an, um, an early agent working with or underneath the broker, you know, the advice is always from the perspective of mitigating my own personal risk and liability, you know what I mean? There isn't a ton of like creativity all the time. Um, I did have, and I've been through two real estate companies. I did have a broker that was a little bit more creative, right? In his approach and up against my next one who was kind of more by the book, right? You know, so there was some of that. 
Um, and then in the meantime, though, because I did identify those gaps, I really did have to delve into, um, or I'll just say I didn't have to, because a lot of people don't in this field. I am a student of the game and I want to operate at the highest level. So in order to keep me stretching and growing and constantly learning um, and wanting to and able to achieve at the highest levels, I invested in coaching for myself, you know. And that was really the big one. So that filled in that gap of the sage peers telling me about the business and how to do things and be creative and work with these people over here and those people over there. I mean, I really missed that part. Uh, but and that was just kind of how I structured it. Are there, you know, real estate companies that you can be a part of, maybe where people go in the office all the time and there's a range of age groups that you can pull from? Quite possibly, right? Um, but that's something you got to really seek out and be intentional about finding. I was more on the um, kind of broker owner path from the beginning. And I'm like, I want to learn to be independent, you know? So in the middle, right, it came with some trade offs, but it did inspire me to fill in the gaps in my education and learning within the field. And I've done that through uh, supplemental coaching. Was there a moment where you were like, I made the right decision? Like, was there a particular time or was it just a gradual thing for you? Um, probably that first commission. <laughs> Real, well, it, and it was confirming for a few things. It was confirming because... And my first client was not someone I knew, you know, like I'm a marketer by background and training and trade and all that, you know, so I really leaned into my marketing skill and prowess and kind of my early self-education in the field. And so I was able to attract a client to me by focusing on a specific niche in the industry. And I was, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to go after it. And I had the background, you know, I had clearly had bought and sold my own properties and sold, you know, and that sort of thing. So I did have selling experience. Um, and then I had partnered with like another group or agency and had done some more deals through that. So I did have some transaction volume and experience under my belt. Um, but those were kind of more like, commission shares or on behalf of me and my assets, right? In our financial picture. So my first retail client, you know, it was just a different experience. It was truly client service. I had to go out and kind of fish, you know what I mean? Or hunt. And then they came to me and um, they signed on and we got the house sold. You know, I even staged it and got it sold. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was just confirming. I was like, I can do this. I can do mm -hmm. this. People like me. I like them. And, you know, I can do this. And that was the turning point. So the first one was kind of that per that first point of confirmation and validation. And then when I took that experience and leveraged it with another client, someone else I did not know around that same neighborhood, though, I was like, this is how you do it. This is what you do. I can do this. And this is what I'm here to do. And there's no turning back, you know. I mean, did I have doubts along the way? I mean, even in this latest shift, you know, you go back to sometimes what you know, like, oh, do I need a job, you know, type of thing. Um, but that's just the fear talking, you know what I mean? Like I said, when you live with intentionality, it's just, you know, it's just the fear talking. It wasn't even necessary, you know. Um, you just go back to your default, those former identities, your comfort zone, the paycheck, you know, all the those things just come back. But 
I have not really strongly looked back um, since, actually, at all. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, this has been so great. Thanks for giving us like a window into your journey and just like your mindset around it and the transition. I know so many people are going to get so much from hearing your story. Um, I have one more question. And it's if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? Mm, um, you know, first I would tell myself to let go more. Mm. Um, you know, I just used to dwell on minor things. I mean, I'm type A, right? Like I'm a type A personality, you know, things that happened in the past, things that would yet to come or, you know, materialize in the future. So it was always like, coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know, from the past Mm -hmm. perspective. And then next time I'm going to do, you know, just all that stuff, just the head, the clutter, the mental clutter, the internal conversations, you know, all that stuff. Just, but really being stuck in the weeds, right? So I would remind myself to keep the big picture in mind, um, to not get hung up on the minor things, the trivialities, the things that just don't matter, and to really be able to, and you kind of hear it in my speech now, but hand over things to the universe, right? So it's thinking more in terms of hard work, intentionality, um, you know, manifesting, right? Like, you know, just building it all out, having a loose plan, but really thinking more about the journey and the um, ultimate destination versus the the how, how I'm going to get there, right? And I was always caught up on the, okay, but then what? But then what? But, you know, like, and how is this going to happen? And, you know, so less trust and faith in, like we're saying, the journey and the universe and the the end, but more thinking about the how and needing control over those pieces. Um, so I definitely have more of a kind of like que sera, sera approach now that I wish I would just go back and anchor myself in more. I would also be more forgiving of myself. Um, so very similar to the above and then just, you know, let it go. Um, I think forgiveness is the most critical tool, uh, that we have available to us that is going to determine our forward progress and momentum in our relationship with ourselves, as well as with everyone that we know. I think a lot of us, you know, get hung up on these things that don't matter. Oh, but she said, he said, he did, she did. I mean, and really at the end of the day. It doesn't matter. And, um, you know, it's really just a function of saying to yourself, you know, I did the best that I could given the circumstances at the time and really leaning in and committing to, you know, being a higher and better version of yourself the next time. Right. And just committing to that. Right. And doing better. Um, And then I would also encourage myself to be more empathetic and less judgmental. And then I would have internalized my mom saying about, um, what was her saying? Oh, it's not always about you, right? It's not about you, right? Which is just true. The older you get, the more you learn is that people are only operating from a paradigm um, or context that has them at the center, right? Of everything, right? So it's just like the older you get, the more you really internalize, mostly through observation and experience. The fact that most people are only operating from a place of emotion, most most likely fear or a place of ego, 
right? So when you know that about other people, oh my gosh, you are in so much more control of one, yourself, your communication, and then the outcomes. And that was a turning point for me in a lot of my um, synthesis of situations and then in my relationships as well. It was one of those things that completely transformed my marriage too. Um, so I really encourage people to think about that, to take our egos out of the equation. You know what I mean? Because um, it was a game changer for me. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time with us today. If people want to find you, if they need a real estate agent, broker, um, how can we find you? Yes. So I am based here in the Dallas-Fort Worth market. We service the entire market. My brand is modernestrealty.com. And that's M-O-D-E-R-N-E-S-T realty.com. And I'm also on pretty much all social media under that handle under Modernist Realty. So I look forward to connecting. And if you have a real estate need, whether that's, whether that's commercial or residential, don't hesitate to reach out to me or I would be happy to help anyone you know. I'm always here for you. Yeah, Megan also has a great YouTube channel. I don't know if it's the same handle, but I'll say that even though I'm not looking for a house, I like watching it because she goes and tours new neighborhoods and uh, gives you like a little tour walkthrough. And so I love looking at new houses. So <laughs> thank you. I'll take it. And that is at Modernist Realty as well. Okay, on YouTube. All right. Thanks so much, Megan. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for joining me today and for staying until the very end of the show. It would mean the world to me if you would follow the Rise Society podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, keep shining.